Welcome to Medina Cigar and Tobacco. This is the second Sports Hacks podcast. I'm Josh Flagner. I'm here with Ryan Thompson and Jake Altman. Everyone say hello. Hello there. Hello. Just, uh, they said hello in the wrong order, by the way. Just three of us today. Damien is, Damien's at, he's traveling for work, something called work. Don't know what that is. I'm not convinced that Damien doesn't work for the government in a form of James Bond style work. I don't know, but the guy that said, I don't know what that is, is sitting next to me in a cigar shop wearing a suit. He's wearing a suit, Mr. Came, I don't know what work is. came from work. Hey, oh, oh, I don't know what work is, but well, I, I came, came from work. I came from work, too, and I'm in shorts, so. <laughs> well, I went home, and I'm in shorts, pretty much because these are the only clothes that I can wear after I go to the cigar shop and not care if I ruin so I don't get yelled at for smelling terrible. Hey, turn your ringer off. We're professionals. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not professionals. We're already recording the podcast. We're going <laughs> to... Now I'm professional. <laughs> Let's start with what everybody's talking about right now. It is, what day is this? Thursday, right? It's the 26th. The Cavs lost to the Nets last night. The Cavs, the Nets, the Warriors all have the same record right now, I'm sure, just as we all expected. A lot of people are talking about the Cavs. A lot of people are arguing about, should we worry about the Cavs? Should we not worry about the Cavs? Uh, to be honest... Uh, I'm not worried, but it isn't because I think they're just going to waltz into the playoffs and everything's going to be fine. I, I have a hard time getting up for games in October unless they're really unless they're really electrifying or meaningful some way. Like I wanted to watch the beginning of the Wizards Lakers game last night, even though it was a school night, because I was interested in, in John Wall and Lonzo Ball. Like to me, that was a storyline that made me watch. But the Cavs and the Nets, I mean, draft pick be damned. It, that doesn't matter as much to me to make me really get up for that game. I, so I was at the Bulls game on Tuesday. I, I got gifted tickets. It was awesome. But I October basketball is like doesn't matter to me. Like the regular season in general just doesn't matter to me because you can generally get a feel for where if your team's going to make it or not. And if your team's going to make it, then you just wait until April. Uh, and then if you're a bubble team, you kind of watch at the end. But um they're getting their legs under them still. Uh, I know that, you know, Derek Rose is dealing with a ankle injury. Dwayne Wade's got a knee injury. They don't have a point guard. LeBron's playing point guard. Um, it's just, I, I don't really see the point in watching basketball really until December. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm preoccupied with other things. I love, sports. I love hoops. I'm hoops first. So I will watch basketball games. Like I watched the Cavs Nets game. But it didn't grab me. Well, when it looked like they were down, I was like, eh, they'll probably come back. And then when they started to come back, I was, yeah, they're coming back. And then they lost, and I watched the next game. Like, it, it didn't bother me that much. It's not that I won't watch hoops. It just didn't, it didn't affect me. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably the opposite of you. I, I, am, uh, I would describe myself as hoops last. And, you know, as much as I love watching the Cavs in the playoffs, uh, I don't know that there's a more meaningless regular season in sports than basketball. Uh, and I think that's across the board, right? You've got a meaningless regular season in college basketball and a meaningless regular season in the NBA. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. For me, uh, you, I'll, I'll talk about the Cavs once we get to, uh, you know, I'll watch on Christmas Day, I'll watch on Easter, and then we could talk about it in April. See, I guess that's interesting. I don't. I, I understand the, the basketball is a meaningless re regular season when you're looking at, when you're just doing math, right? When you look at 
90% of the playoff teams every year, you just know we're going to the playoffs before the season starts. So I'll give you that. But as far as keeping me entertained on a night-to-night basis, watching the sport, and then, and then, I, Eric Bledsoe is tweeting he doesn't want to be there. LeVar Ball is going batshit crazy at the end of every game. You got... Guys are trying to punk Lonzo Ball constantly. You've got all these great, cool storylines. I mean, hell, the Celtics are in Milwaukee to play the Bucks, and Milwaukee did their throwback floor, and Kyrie thought it was an old floor, and he was worried about his knee health. I mean, it is the NBA is just unbelievable for me to keep up with and watch and have fun with on a night-to-night basis. Now, I'll grant you that maybe football, there's there's only 16 only 16 games, they mean more. I get it. Like, I know math. And baseball's tough because there's so many teams that are so close to the same. It's really hard to figure out a lot of times who's going to be in the playoff races. But, man, like, neither of those sports just grab me and keep me entertained all season. Basketball is fun to watch and fun to listen and fun to listen to the, the, the announcers and the players go off about stuff all the time. I love it. I mean, there's certainly intrigue in the NBA season, and especially when you, in the social media age that we're in now, with guys, you know, uh, you know, tweeting that they don't want to play somewhere anymore and things like that. With, you know, people analyzing what people are, you know, posting on Instagram as they did with LeBron last year, all of those things. I mean, again, it's certainly intriguing what goes on. Uh, I just have a hard time bringing myself to care about it. The NBA is really good at engaging its audience and the players are really good at engaging. Like I think baseball's like old guy sport and football's like old guy middle-aged sport and then basketball's like millennial, you know, late 20s early 30s sport, right? And it's very engaging and it's it's active on social media and like I could I could engage more with the NBA if I saw there being like a quote-unquote parody like during the season like if, right. if the regular season sure. mattered I would engage with the NBA every night. There was a time when I was younger when I, like, it was appointment television to watch the Cavs. Like, 2006, 2007, 8. Yeah. I mean, every night my dad and I would sit down and watch the Cavs, listen to Michael Ray Guy. That was, I mean, that's what happened. I, now I just kind of like LeBron's there, Cavs are probably going to win. And then, there's nothing against basketball, but you're right from a storyline perspective. I think every day there's something that uh, can grab headlines with the NBA, where other sports maybe not so much. You know what I will say about. You mentioned baseball being an old guy sport. Um, I don't even remember what you said the NFL is, but it, it doesn't matter much. But but I think middle aged middle aged guys. I think social media, Twitter, uh, mostly Twitter and Instagram, right? Social media where the athletes can can reach out to their fans. I think that's helping baseball, not from a league perspective, or it's it's nothing the league is doing on purpose or anything, but just the players being more accessible and talking to people on social media all the time. Like, I think that's really helping to engage younger fans and, and, you know, through, through no effort of its own, the league is definitely going to see dividends from that. And I think it doesn't work that way in football. I think mostly, most of what I see, most of what I've seen outside of a few funny guys, you know, or a a few guys who are really trying to do well in the community, like JJ Watt comes to mind and they're, some good people in football that are on social media, but mostly social media tends to make football players just look like a bunch of assholes. I don't really understand why the difference is, but do you feel that? I think a big part of that, I mean, so with, with basketball and baseball and then with some other sports, like like I, I, I'm a soccer fan, so I follow a lot of soccer folks. Um, 
there's a lot more individual stuff that goes on, whereas football, there's so many football players. And so I think that, like you said, outside of a very select few who have kind of distinguished themselves as like funny guys or, you know, community guys, I don't know if I follow any Browns players on Twitter other than Joe Hayden, who doesn't play for the Browns anymore. The only time, the only time I, I still miss you, Joe Hayden. I mean, Come fuck on, you for please. going to Pittsburgh, but I still miss you. The only time really that I see like tweets or Instagram posts from football players that, you know, somebody takes a screen grab and shares them or it ends up on ESPN or ESPN.com or one of the sites or something. It's always somebody bitching about something. It's always somebody mad about something. Whereas I, I feel like in, in baseball and basketball, it, those the tweets that are getting attention are like the fun jokes or the fan interactions. Like it's totally different to me. With I, I think baseball too. It, it might I don't know if it's the people playing the sports that make it more fun. Eh, I, I don't. Know. That's weird though because like I'm not ready to say that all these football players are assholes. It's just the way that it. The way that it tends to come across on social media. I think football being a little bit different than other sports and the fact that it's a little bit more regimented as well makes it so that it produces a certain kind of player. And I think so maybe the reason that we feel that way is because only the the loudmouths are rising to the top, right? Only the guys who are going to go against the grain anyway, the guys that you're naturally either going to love or hate are the ones who are you know coming across that way on social media. So, I mean... Yeah. You know, football kind of creates players that are a little bit more devoid of personality. I guess, I guess maybe that's true. Maybe it's not even devoid of personality, but it's just harder to latch on to. It's harder to latch on to your right tackle on a football team on social media. But you know, how many people we're Indians fans, right? It's a Cleveland-based podcast. How many of Indians fans love like Clevenger or Trevor Bow? I mean, guys that aren't stars. I mean, maybe maybe Trevor Bauer is a star, but like guys that aren't stars on the team get to be popular and have a fun, cool voice. And I just feel like in basketball and baseball, those the communities that they make in those clubhouses or locker rooms, depending on the sport, is a lot tighter. So they tend to have a lot more fun. You get to learn a lot more. Well and I think and I'm I think the, the NFL's I would say that it's it's very like, you know, cut and dry in the NFL and it's very like you said, regimented Jake. Where like, you know, they they say certain things, like they may get a letter from the league. Whereas baseball yeah. and basketball, you know, there's a lot of leeway. And I, I don't really see, and again, I don't really follow that many NFL teams on, on Twitter, but the basketball teams, like the Hawks, are really good with social media. They elevate a lot of their players. And the Indians, this is a Cleveland podcast, the Indians are really good at elevating yeah. their players. Yeah. So like Jose Ramirez is a great follow on Twitter, right? Now, I don't know if a lot of people outside of Cleveland follow him, but he's it's great content. And Trevor Bauer, to a degree, great content. But, you know, Bauer's not really a star, quote-unquote, but Jose Ramirez is maybe in a, I don't know, a regional sense. I don't think everybody's like, oh, my God, Jose Ramirez. But, I mean, he's done enough to probably get to that level. But, like, no one, the Browns' Twitter account or Instagram account, they're not really, like, going out and saying, promoting what Joe Thomas says, right? They kind of, they separate themselves. Whereas I think some of the other sports, those accounts are kind of helping to uh, – all ships rise on a rising tide or something. Uh, yeah, phrase. some bullshit like that. None of us are on a boat <laughs> right now. Uh, but, you know, that's a good point about that's a good point about the organization because I, I feel like the teams and the league get to get to look good by not inserting themselves into the story. And it's so weird with the NFL. Like, 
Look, I, the NFL makes the most money probably. Like I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they have forever. They've made the most money. Maybe they're the biggest corporate out of corporate entity out of all out of baseball the major sports for now yeah for now but i mean i would i don't know that it's it isn't like they have so much more money or panache or influence than the nba or 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 major league baseball whereas they don't have to insert themselves in every one of those stories so look lebron uh basketball player they they were i can't breathe shirts they've done protests like lebron in miami when he wore the hoodie for i mean like all that shit is stuff that team ownership or the league like they could have stepped in they could have said some stuff but no one has greg popovich who is a national gem excoriates donald trump and the gop base on a regular basis the ownership of the San Antonio Spurs are huge Trump and GOP donors. They don't, they don't muzzle him. I'm sure they don't agree with him, and I'm sure that there's been a couple of meetings afterwards, but it's not like anyone's fining Greg Popovich for saying what he says. No one's making him stop talking. I don't get how that's so hard to do. I think, you know, you know coming, coming from someone who's, who, who does fall on the, on the right side of the political spectrum, uh, I think... A lot of times it's easy, you know, it's easy for the folks in San Antonio, the ownership there to just kind of say, and in the NBA really across the board to kind of say like, look, you know, if you're doing your job, I don't, I don't care. Right. And I think that on, on social media specifically, uh, like you said, uh, or just in, in just socially, the, the NFL seems can, seems just bound and determined to, to put their nose in what's going on. I mean, Roger Goodell's always talking about protecting the shield and all of those things. And you never hear uh, silver or, or any of these other guys talking about like Gary Bettman coming out, talking about (laughs) protecting the shield. Like they don't, they don't care about that. What's a shield. Yeah. (laughs) Because there is no, I don't know that the, so much that major league baseball and, and the national basketball association are, are the same kind of brands that the NBA is where, or excuse me, that the, the NFL, NFL is. Right. You know, the NFL is a is a brand, whereas I think that you know the other ones are kind of loose associations of teams that play for the same title. I I guess I, I guess maybe you know part of that argument does make sense to me, but on the other hand, what boggles my mind is if it's going to be better for the league and the business as a whole, why wouldn't you do it? Now and I and I get you can make an argument that maybe fans of the NFL would be more um more conservative so they would be more apt to be angry about the Colin Kaepernick's the, the taking a knee protest. For the record, I don't know what anyone else's opinion is. Mine is they're not protesting the flag or the anthem. Come on, idiots. I just but, don't care. But 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 that's the point. But that's the point. Let let the players protest. Right, the NBA lets the players protest. Let's people say what they want to say. And it and it hits for a news cycle or two, right? But like outside of Greg Popovich and LeBron James, two people in the game who have built themselves the type of clout socially to be asked those things and to have a decent voice when it comes to saying their answers, right? Outside of those two guys, when does that ever last more than a news cycle or two? Like, did you remember that LeBron took the hoodie picture or that the I can't breathe shirts were a thing? Not that those weren't important things when they happened and even still now, but it isn't something that sticks with the league, right? P- 
people recognize that those are opinions held by a coach or a player in this association. Football, by making this such a humongous thing and having these meetings and the owners digging their noses in and doing all the bullshit, it caused that story to last longer. Let these guys, let these players and coaches have their voice. Let them say and do what they want to say and do and and, and and move on from it. I mean, I I don't want to say that the the things that they're protesting are inconsequential because they're not. They're, they're, they're important to the fabric of our society. But as a sport, if you're worried about that damaging your game, shut the fuck up about it and let it go on. Like, I, I that makes sense to me. If if that's enough to damage your game and to damage your following, and then you're not putting a very good product on the field. Yeah, I mean that that's absolutely part of the point. So so like that that I think is, and maybe it is part of the league. Maybe it's not all the players, but for whatever it is, the social media age and how we've matured with the internet, just as our generation, right? Like how we've grown up with the internet and how my generation is using it and then the generation younger than me how that's all happening has helped baseball and basketball it's helped soccer it's even helped hockey and i'm not really a hockey guy like these are sports that have benefited from what we see in social media and it it seems like the nfl is just creating reasons to let that drag it down well and maybe it's maybe it's because so the nfl like football is the ultimate team sport right so like the idea from an okay, from an American perspective, that football is the ultimate team sport. I, yeah, I'll probably say that's bullshit when you're done talking. But, go on. but anyway, so like the fans of the the fans of the NFL say like if one guy is doing something, that's the that's what the entire team is saying, right? So the fan, no, I'm not okay, saying okay, that that's okay. the case. I don't agree with that. It's individuals saying it. I think maybe NBA fans and they're not mutually exclusive. Like if you're an NFL fan, that doesn't mean you're you're not an NBA fan, but. Mm. NBA fans maybe are from a uh, not intelligence perspective. I don't know how to say it, but they recognize that they're individuals making statements, not the teams. Whereas NFL fans are saying, well, that guy's saying it. That's the Browns statement when the Browns are like, oh, not really. I, I will say that NBA fans in general, not specifically. So anyone listening and I'm an NFL fan and I might take offense to this as well, but I would say that NBA fans are probably more marketing savvy, right? They understand who, if someone is marketing themselves, they understand if a brand is marketing a brand, they understand if a team is representing a team, and they don't allow those things to intermingle, right? I mean, unless there's like crime or something happening, right? I mean, if you're if you, if there's like assault or sexual assault or harassment or something, I mean, that's different, right? Because those could be organizational. But I think for the most part, um, NBA fans are probably more aware of who's branding who and, and who's talking about what. I think even, and I don't know why this is, but even even on, on the negative perspective, if you think about players in the NBA, stuff doesn't really seem to stick with individual players like that. I mean, I haven't heard anybody in Cleveland talk about Derrick Rose in a negative way. And, you know, there has been some negative stuff with Derrick Rose. So it, I don't know if it's just that the NBA or NBA players do a better job of moving past those things. You know, like people will always remember Colin Kaepernick as the kneeler guy. Uh, but are pe- people always going to remember... You know Derrick Rose as you know as, as a, a criminal, gang rapist? yeah, alleged, or, or, yeah, or or Kobe Bryant as a rapist or things like that. I mean, some people will Kobe Bryant's you know legion of haters will remember him that way. Maybe there's some feminists will, that will remember him that way. But I think your average NBA fan separates Kobe Bryant from 
even from Kobe Bryant, not even just from the Lakers, but from Kobe Bryant. You know, they they have like they're like, oh yeah, the rose color lens, yeah, kind of effect. Uh, where yeah. they're like, oh well, yeah, but yeah, but wait. But I think even even NBA fans, I don't remember Kobe Bryant as Kobe Bryant the criminal, right? I'm way more likely to remember Kobe Bryant as Kobe Bryant the the amazing basketball player. But but I remember OJ Simpson as OJ Simpson the murderer. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's it's like OJ, but that's kind of like. I, maybe for us because we didn't watch him play too. Yeah. Like my first memory of OJ Simpson is the the reels of him in the Bronco, whereas my dad's like oh, I remember watching him play. Well, uh, what about I mean a guy like Lamar Odom? You know I remember Lamar Odom the great basketball player. You know I don't remember Lamar Odom the crackhead, right? Like <laughs> it just seems like NBA players for whatever reason are able to allow these things. And maybe it's just it's the league. Maybe it's the individual players that are better at kind of rebuilding themselves from. Those things, but you know, you know what? I I bet you part of that, and that's a that's a really good point. And now that now that we're saying that and kind of articulating it, I, I bet you part of that has to do with the way that NBA players and NBA fans, but but mostly NBA players are are more aware of their um are more aware of their brand. They're more aware of trying to rehabilitate that image and get back in the good graces and say the right things. I mean, I think maybe NBA players are they're they're so out there all the time. There's, there's fewer of them. Well, I there's yeah, there's that too, but I think that they have to they can't hide. Yeah, that's true. You know, so they they've they've got to make sure that even if something bad happens that they're able to go back and try to say the right things and even if you don't address it that you go back and say the right thing and don't get in or try not to get in trouble again and try to put the right spin on everything. So that way you don't get booed relentlessly. I think with and basketball and, and baseball is another one like this. And to a certain extent, uh, soccer and hockey are like this. You're, it's harder to hide in a sense where like when the offensive unit runs out on the field for football and the fans are booing, you don't know if they're booing Michael Vick or if they're just booing the Eagles. Right. But whereas, you know, when, when, uh, when LeBron's dribbling down the court, He's got the ball in his hands, and the people are booing. You know they're booing LeBron, right? And that's that's happening three or four times a week over the course of you know six six or seven months with the playoffs. It's not. I mean, it is a lot different in you know like a baseball player who's got a got an image issue. Uh, look look at the image issue that Barry Bonds went through, right? And Alex Rodriguez. It wasn't necessarily that Barry Bonds did or didn't do all the stupid bullshit he did or didn't do. I don't care. Like that's not what we're here to talk about, but. But like you saw him, you saw his face at the plate four times a night, five nights a week. Everybody talked about it all the time. And especially now, the way the news cycles cycle through and, and the football players can hide. Like they, they come out on Sunday, you know, they come out once a week. You probably only see them with their helmet off if the camera catches them on the bench, you know, or if they happen to get in a fight with a coach or something. So, I mean, it's it's a lot easier to just kind of go away. You don't have to repair your image unless you're one of the four or five, I, I don't know how many like super duper mega stars you would think you think football has, maybe eight. Ten tops. Yeah. Right. Yeah, at most. Ten. Right. So unless you're one of those guys, you can go away pretty easily. Especially if you're not a skill position player. Mm-hmm. Like if a, if a second string OLB does something really stupid, uh. Just, you know, he just kind of hangs out on the practice squad for all week and, you know, they hide him from interviews and then it's over. But that might also, like, that could be why we don't remember O.J. Simpson for what O.J. Simpson was. Or, you know, if you're if you're of a certain generation, you can talk about Ray Lewis, right? 
well, Ray Lewis and his white suit and the, the two guys from Akron, that comes up a lot around here. Yeah. Uh, maybe not football fans in Los Angeles, but I mean, if you're our age and you're like, that is a constant thing. He was never able to hide from that. No matter what he's doing, he's on TV now, and he's not able to hide from that. Like people talk about it all the time. There's even guys like I mean, I think of a guy like Marvin Harrison. Mm-hmm. Was it? It was yeah, Marvin Harrison, right? He, the gun he, yeah, the gun charge, right? Right. Yeah. Um, or um, the other wide receiver that uh, the Colts had uh, that that owned the the car washes and allegedly killed somebody. Was that Marvin Harrison? No, that was Marvin Harrison. Okay, yeah. But you know what's funny is like we see Marvin Harrison now, right? And how long has he been out of the league? He hasn't really been relevant for a long time, um, and that's what. That's the joke, right? Somebody puts a picture of Marvin Harrison on Twitter with Peyton Manning and Edger and James, right? For that, that uh, was a couple weeks ago. They did that thing in Indianapolis. And everybody immediately started making fun of Marvin Harrison for, for allegedly killing a guy known in the car wash. Right. right. <laughs> right. Does that happen? Like, that doesn't happen anywhere else. Like, like you said, with the Derrick Rose thing, like we talk about Derrick Rose and people will make fun of Derrick Rose largely for being a former MVP who somehow washed at 29 years old. But nobody really like talks about the alleged gang rape all the time. Right. There is a small minority of people like just speaking to this. I remember when he signed they were just like, yeah, but he gang, he, he was involved in a gang rape. But for the most part, the, it was like, oh, my God, Derrick Rose. I, look, I feel uncomfortable rooting for him. Like it's weird it, to yes. have him on my team, because from everything I've read, and I don't know the guy, and if somehow Derek Rose is listening to this, I apologize. If you want to prove me wrong, you can bring me to a Cavs game. But I think he's a trash human, right? Like I think he sucks. It's an exercise in cognitive dissonance. I, I, yeah, I. You know what am I going to do? I didn't sign him. I mean, I think you know when I think of of Derek Rose when we signed him, you know, it didn't even occur to me until. A while afterwards, like when I, when we signed Derrick Rose, my response was, "Why do we sign that guy?" Not because you know I, I think he's a criminal, but because he's broken down. He's got two knees that don't work correctly, and his ACL is going to fall off. It is definitely weird how basketball players come back from that easier than anybody else. I mean, Michael Jordan and his crazy gambling. People don't talk about that, right? People don't talk about Scottie Pippen. And I had forgotten Scottie Pippen got a gun charge until I heard uh, Callan Cowherd talking about it today or the other day because he was making a corollary between Pippen and Kyrie, right? So that's what it takes for me to remember one of the 50 greatest players in the league who won six championships with, you know, the greatest or the second greatest player to ever live. That's what it takes for me to remember that guy got in trouble was because Colin Cowherd went viral talking about how Kyrie wants to be the man. There's only one NBA player that I can think of that I remember for the dumb crime that he committed, and that's Delonte West. He's the only one that comes to mind. Is Delonte West driving down seventy seven with guns in his in his guitar case? I'll give you a number two. I miss you, Delonte. <laughs> Please come home, Gilbert. <laughs> Gilbert Arenas is another Ooh. one that like I don't remember him for his playing days. I remember him for the gun stuff. Yeah, for for, for brandishing a gun in the locker room. Yes, but, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily the gun stuff that made me crazy about or that makes me remember Gilbert Arenas. It's because it happened in, over like a poker game in the locker room. Between teammates. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, the NBA between like ninety nine and like two thousand and five was just a, a wonderful. Can you imagine if we had Twitter? Wild, wild west. Yeah, it was crazy, right? But I mean, the like that era NBA definitely grew what we have now because there were and there were a lot of guys who had the game that everybody wanted, but the personal life that everybody was like, we can't possibly do that. 
Like we can't sustain this. So it, I mean, that era was, I, I tell you, it was great to grow up in. I, I mean, like it was great to be a young fan and, and watching Allen Iverson. I mean, that was, he's my favorite point guard of all time. All right. So I, I guess I don't like, I want to switch to, I want to switch to baseball and, and I'm not even going to try to craft like some beautiful segue or transition Last night, the World Series is tied at 1-1. Last night, the Astros beat the Dodgers in what a lot of people are calling the craziest World Series game anyone has ever seen. Uh, by, huh. by all accounts, it was amazing and fantastic, and there are tons of Dodgers and Astros fans and great stories on both sides. Vin Scully before the game. like Everything, everything was moving and wonderful, except... I cared a lot more about John Wall versus Lonzo Ball. Like, uh, is that because I'm an Indians fan, or is am I losing baseball? Like, it, diagnose me. We're but, a little butthurt. That's because right you're now. an Indians fan. Yeah, I'm still a little butthurt. So I'm kind of like, it took me the entire ALCS where I just took took some time off from baseball, and I'm still kind of taking some time off. I'm just I can't because I'm I'm watching it, you know, the highlights, and I'm kind of watching it tangentially, and I'm sitting there going like. We should be in the World Series. This is bullshit. But I mean, it's got some. Look, this 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 World Series has guys who I should who I love. Like I like, right? Like I I love the story of the Astros. Like I think it's so funny that they so recently switched to the American League. Like I was that like five six years ago or something. I don't even know if it was that recently. Long ago. Yeah, yeah. I and and it's like their second World Series in history, and the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw and and this this big machine and winning one for Vin Scully and the young, like Craig Seeger, the young players all over the place. Like I really, I like, these are teams and games that I cared about during the regular season. These are players that I cared about during the regular season. And I get it. Like I was sad when the Indians lost too, but it just seems like I can't get up for it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the reason that I, I think that it's because, cause I didn't watch last night either. And I think the reason that I, that I know in my heart that it's, you know, that's that I'm feeling a little bitter, a little salty is I, my buddy called me this morning. We talk on a very regular basis about any number of sports. He's not a baseball fan, but this morning he wanted to talk about the game last night, you know? And so he was watching. And if he was watching, that kind of leads me to believe that just about everybody outside of the, outside of the Cleveland metropolitan area was watching last night. It's just, it was just a weird corollary for me to care more about an October after, after mind you, after the Cavs lost to the Nets, with draft pick, the whole story, the whole everything, the injuries, the LeBron 34 and 13, like everything, and I didn't care. And then I cared more about the the Lakers and the Wizards. Like, who gives a shit about either one of those? Except for, I will say, the Minneapolis Lakers jerseys, like those throwback jerseys, are awesome. Love those. Love that look. But there's another basketball team in Minneapolis. Right, but they were. They, it's the throwback. L- ludicrous, weekend. and they had their MPLS jerseys. It's ludicrous. I love that. I love that. T Wolves should be wearing those, not the Lakers. That's I, dirty. I, you know what? I didn't even know they were wearing throwbacks. I'm gonna have to look up a picture because I'm kind of like not processing that right now. So I'll have to look it up. You well, left. You don't get to rep Minneapolis anymore. You ditched Minneapolis. No, for- I, dude, look. I love it. I don't give a shit. I love those jerseys. I don't care who was wearing them. It wouldn't matter. Look, I said during the the Cavs Nets game, if I had to choose. If I had to choose an an NBA team to root for based solely on their gear right now, it'd be the Nets. Like I dig, I dig the black and white, right, and the, like the grays. I dig that simple round logo with the B. I like their BKLN jerseys. Like I love the Nets gear. 
I like the Nets logos. The only thing I don't like is the floor, like the Nets floor. The the logos and the paint is fine, but I don't like that that almost parquet look. I don't like the Cavs gear. And I don't like the Cavs gear because there's a Goodyear logo on it. Oh, I like the Goodyear oh, logo. Goodyear logo looks so good. I, Let it go, buddy. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's not about like me. It's not like look. I got okay. I'll, I'll level with everybody. I got fired from Goodyear, so like I can't. <laughs> I, can't I can't watch the Cavs like now. Now I cannot watch the Cavs without seeing the wing foot, and it's just like my friends remind me all the time. Like, hey Thompson, how about that Goodyear logo? So. <laughs> Yeah, no, the day, so, okay, I'll, I'll, a little story. I, the day I got fired, I decided to play basketball because I was sad, and I was like, I need to get some aggression out. So, like, we went to play basketball, and my buddy turned to me, and he goes, hey, Thompson, you're not having a good year, are you? And so it was just like, I can't I can't watch the Cavs without being reminded of a very oh hard, God. tough time in my, my professional life. You know, I got to be honest with you right now. I might like your friend who said that better than you. <laughs> That's Everybody pretty funny. <laughs> no, look, I think out of all the, uh, first of all, I will say, and this, this might be an old ish argument, but I'll rehash it right now. I think corporate logos on the jerseys are a good idea. Same. I understand it's a slippery slope. So I know it's not. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I get how it could be right. Because I do get sometimes if you're not, if you're not a football, like a, an English soccer, a football fan, and you throw on like the Premier League, if you're not a fan and you don't like immediately know what the players from like Arsenal look like or wherever, right? I don't even know what all the, the teams are. It's hard to figure it out. Like I really like soccer. I, I'm not invested enough to know to know a lot about the players or the teams or the sports or the history or anything. But I like watching it. Like if you come over to my house on a uh, on an early morning, I'll have it on. Like I think it's a fun, cool, fun, uh, awesome sport. But I I do get that sometimes it's weird. I'm like Barbasol. Who the fuck? Barbasol. Like is that a team? Who, who does ever be the, sponsor? The Austin Crew. Right. <laughs> right. So like I'm sorry. No. That. But I'll see myself out. But that's tough for me. So I get how there could be purists out there. There could be traditionalists, like old guys or even young guys. It's not even, this one's not even an age thing. It's people who don't want corporate America to take over. So I get that. I think the, the frustrating thing with the sponsors, at least you know from, from my perspective as a fan of, of the Premier League, is that outside of the really big clubs, there's, there's a lot of turnover in the sponsors. So what happens is that you don't necessarily know who you're looking at year to year unless you know. Right, so my my beloved uh, Everton Football Club changed from their longtime sponsor, which was Chang, a, a Thai beer company, uh, and they switched to a an African betting company called Sports Pesa this year. And if you were not, you know, there's a lot of teams that wear blue in the Premier League. So if you were not a fan and you just saw this team with a new, you know, and you're used to the elephants and the Chang logo, and you're like, oh, that's Everton, you know, you saw them running out with this Sports Pesa logo on, and you're just like, I don't, I don't know who that is. Having said that, uh, you know, if, if the Cavaliers switched to a jersey that was just the wing foot right in the middle of it, I'm sorry, Ryan, I would be all for that. Well, but but look, the, but the wing foot, and regardless of Ryan's employment opportunities, the, the, ring, the wing foot is like a really good logo for basketball. Now, I will give you, like we played the Nets and they had Infor. Infor, ERP software, manufacturing, all that kind of bullshit, right? So, I, like, in my career, I am involved with Infor. Like we use Infor programs. It's very good. It's a shitty basketball logo, right? It's just a red square. It says Infor in it, you know? So that wouldn't work out so well if they just had 
a jersey that had a red square that said Infor in it. We happen to be lucky. We're one of the, the few NBA teams where the Goodyear Wingfoot, not only is it perfect for the marriage but in North Regional, yeah, region, good regional partnership. It's a perfect partnership. It's perfect for LeBron. Obviously, it was a natural. I think a lot of people probably guessed that it was going to be an Akron company. And if it's an Akron company, it's Goodyear, right? And and also, the Wingfoot logo is athletic looking. Like, it's cool looking. There aren't a lot of corporate logos that that could match that. So we're lucky when it comes to that. Like, I think that that looks perfect. I think I mean, but I know that you know based on on my soccer soccer uh, roots, I know that there are companies out there that that want to put their their logos. The companies that maybe aren't you know aren't glamorous as far as their logos go, but like Fly Emirates wants their their logo on a basketball jersey. Yeah, Eddie had once their Eddie had once the New York Knicks to wear their logo on a basketball jersey. I, I guarantee it, you know. So the for me. It becomes a simple math equation. I, no, I want I my teams to be. be able to improve financially and and get more money to the players and more money to bigger state, you know, bigger arenas, bigger stadiums. And I think that the key to doing that is bringing more money into the game. And I think it's great. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I I, I was just, I'm not a huge fan of the phrase "devil's advocate" lately, but I was trying to just personify that other point of view where people don't want the jerseys and the logos and, you know you think of your team and you think of the Cavs or you think of the Lakers or whatever it is, like you think of your team and you see that logo, you see the New York on the front, you know, like that's a thing that people are going to want to see forever. They've been seeing it forever. They don't want to lose that tradition. And, and I do understand that. I even understand that point of view when you're talking about, you know, Redskins, Indians, Wahoo, that kind of like, even in that argument, I don't agree with it, but I do I do understand it to the point where I'm not going to like shout down those people. Like I'm with it. I just don't think the NBA is there yet. It it the fan base isn't full enough yet of people who would embrace that. Fair enough. Um, oh, what the hell were we talking about? What are we talking about? Logos? We we're talking about the Nets, and I didn't care. You're talking about their jerseys. They're your favorite. They're your they're favorite, favorite jerseys. jerseys. They yeah. still are my favorite jerseys. I love the Nets jerseys. Who are your favorite jerseys? I love the color blue. So what I'm going to say may seem sacrilegious, but the New York Knicks, that blue and orange, I love it. I, I wish the Cavaliers would go back to their blue and orange jerseys because I love those too. Mets stuff. I like Mets stuff oh, it, because yeah, of the yes, blue yeah. and orange. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, the Dodgers, the, even the, the Dodgers and the Cubs, just royal, something about royal blue for me with sports. I just, I just love it. I, I'm a fan of the, uh, um, the Bucks. Fear of the Deer. I'm all in on that. I think it's, yeah, they've done some really interesting logo changes lately. I, I could get down with that, I think. Yeah, I think that's cool. But I think there's too much there's too much stuff that's the color black in the NBA that's like black with red or black with blue. I I do like the Bulls, black and white. Timberwolves. Uh, but you know, I just I don't know about the color just the straight up color black on a uniform just kind of seems I, I I think if it's just black and white, I gravitate to it. I sure. I like the Raiders jerseys. Sure. Right? Like I get Are that. Are you a minimalist? Like do you enjoy kind of like the not really. I mean, because the reason I like the Mets stuff and the Knicks stuff is because of the contrast between blue and orange, right? They're bright, vibrant colors. They stick out against each other. I mean, I don't know if I would call that minimalism, right? You know what I mean? Um, but unless you've got colors that are sticking out against each other like that, you know, the I love how simple 
and clean and easy Raiders Nets jerseys are. I, I like the logos also. Like that helps, right? Like the the pirate and you know the swords and the, the eye patch thing. Like I like that with the Raiders. I like the look, the aesthetic of the Brooklyn B and the and the Nets logo and everything. Um, but outside of that, like if you if you once you get away from those classic black and white jerseys, I really need like fun, cool, interesting shit to look at. And there's really just not a lot of teams that have that. Well, if you yeah. think about like the AL Central, I think is a really good example. The Twins, the Tigers, and the Indians, when they have their grays on, if you didn't have great. letters on there, yeah. essentially they're the same shirts and pants, right? I got to be honest, like I'm not a big Royals fan, but when they did the when they put the gold in there, like I thought that looked neat. Like, yeah. Because it was just yes. something that, that jumped out and grabbed me and made me want to look at it. You yeah. know? I guess I may be outside of the you know outside of the Royal Blues. I may be a little bit of a minimalist, minimalist when it comes to the sports teams that, whose uniforms I like. I'm a big fan of Navy, big fan of Notre Dame, uh, Penn State. Even you know I, I'm I'm a big fan of keeping it simple, and I'm not a big fan of the the changes. That, I don't I don't like Ohio State wearing wearing black or whatever they're doing. I'm I, I, I don't like I don't like Akron changing their uniforms every week. That kind of pisses me I, off. I don't. Yeah. I. Ohio State should just wear gray, like gray with some red, white accents. Red, gray, the black silver. uniforms, though, when they wore those black uniforms, was it last year? Those were so I don't cool. Know. See, here's the thing about... <laughs> They're wearing black this weekend. I differentiate college and the pros in a lot of things, and I think uniforms is one of them. Like, Maryland. They're I, I do love... I love Maryland's I, uniforms. I love... All the crazy shit they do with Maryland with Maryland's uniforms because I think, like in college athletics, it's so it's so much more regional, right? Like you're representing states. You're I it you can do so much more fun stuff. It's younger. Right? I mean, it, you're it's it's an experimental time. Like college kids, you know, you can you can do a lot more and change a lot more. You don't have to be so traditional in college sports. I think that's a lot harder to do, and a lot harder to do well in the pros you know what i i think with college there's so the palette that you can choose from when you're talking about colors or helmet combinations or like all the stuff that oregon was doing with the ducks like in that heyday right when phil knight was making a new uniform combination like every week everybody's talking about it i loved it i couldn't get enough of it not that i loved every combination or i didn't love every weird ass shade of neon green they used or whatever but just the fact that it was a college team they were kids they were representing Oregon, right? I mean, like the state. It's it's all the kids that are enrolled in Oregon. Like they're they're just doing so much more stuff with it, and I think that's a lot more fun to do in college. I feel like Oregon did a really good job, and they were kind of the trailblazer with mm-hmm. that. And I was really for that. And I and I've been really for a lot of uh, you know I've been really for like the the bringing about of the, the helmets that are like the matte colors. I love that. Matte anything matte, is just matte helmets. helmets. But the like I don't know about like. You know, like I come back to my own Akron Zips, and look, you got no brand. There's no brand there. The Akron Zips is not a brand that anyone around the country, even if they're watching on Tuesday Night Maction, which you should do, uh, even if they're watching then, like they don't, they see like a chrome helmet, and they're like, "Am I looking at Baylor? Am I looking at? I don't, I don't know." Yeah, but see, I, I think uh, like a Mac team like Akron is a is a perfect. Like there are two reasons you would do it, right? Oregon was doing it because they could, because they had the money, they wanted to have fun, they wanted to go out being a trailblazer, and I think. All those things were accomplished. Maryland does it for the same reasons. Ohio State does it for the same reasons. They want to do things, do different things to get their fan base fired Differentiate up. themselves. They're not doing it. Like Ohio State doesn't change their uniforms for the brand. I feel like a Mac team, somebody like Akron doing all that cool shit, 
that really could help them as a brand because they don't, like you said, they don't have one. Right. So why not be the cool kids, right? Sure. If nobody knows the Akron Zips, why not be the Mac school that does all that fun, crazy shit? That's fair. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I feel like Oregon has built their brand on that. And they had, even before they were changing their uniforms there so much, their, sure. their uniforms were that terrible, like, pea green and that terrible neon yellow. Uh, and, and, you know, so they really had nowhere to go but up. Right, right. Well, but, hey, look, <laughs> make, make no mistake. Oregon has had some terrible uniforms. Maryland, too, by the way, even though I'm a big fan of the things that they've done. They've had some terrible The ones uniforms. they're wearing this weekend are rough <laughs> but it's cool to see i mean obviously somebody's making those decisions and the kids who are getting into getting into those uniforms are into them maybe not every week but they're into them enough that they're cool with all these changes and like that matters in college once you get to the pros like they don't care if the players are really like nobody asked lebron hey do you like those edgy numbers because i think they look like shit and half the players might think they look terrible but it doesn't matter because it's a different it's a different transaction Right. In professional sports than right. it is in college sports. And the NFL changed their rules a couple of years ago to make it really difficult to really do any kind of throwback uniforms. They made it so you have to wear the same helmet all year. So, uh, you know, it's hard for teams to do any kind of throw. You know, so like the Packers used to wear those blue helmets, those uh, with the circle numbers and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but they couldn't do that anymore. They have to stick with the yellow. Remember the Steelers used to wear oh, those yellow the helmets? The, yeah. Look, the Bumblebee uniforms were terrible, oh, but they were, they were I, so bad. I liked the era that those teams were able to make those decisions yeah, more they than could, I they could the change their right. They could change their helmets and things. I know I think the Saints wore a black helmet one time with the gold Florida Lee, which I thought was really cool. The the NFL and the thing is the NFL like they have the money. Like if the NFL would just kind of like loosen their policy, those guys could put out like fire uniforms every single week and it would like people get excited and they would engage. Well, remember remember when the when the Browns were changing their uniforms, remember it was like a four or five year process where the, the uniforms had to get T V tested and they had to be market tested before the NFL would even allow them to consider changing and their uniforms. And then we ended up with this bum-ass dog logo Shite. bullshit. Do you see Joe Thomas standing there? And he tweeted a picture of himself like in a cast or something. And he was like, let's get better. Some shit. I don't know what he said. But he's standing there, look at the cast on his hotel room, wearing like a, a hairnet for surgery or something. Yes, I and remember he's, that. And yeah. he's wearing like... Browns are tough, and it's got that shit ass dog logo on. What the, like, what, what, what? Thirty. I don't know how old is Joe Thomas. What thirty three year old, sh surefire Hall of Famer, Ring of Honor, NFL fucking lineman is gonna wear that shit dog? Nick Junior dog. What the <laughs> hell? There's no way he put that on and was like, wow, this is going to be a kick-ass picture. Well, you know what? It's Jesus. like when like the Browns kind of like, yeah, let's let's go all in on the dog. Like, I feel like the only people they talked to were like people that kind of like when the Browns heyday, like in the late 70s and like mid to early, late, late 80s, right? They're like, oh, yeah, dog pound. Ooh, let's go with that. And, it's, and I'm sitting here going like, let's go with the elf because like we were good when the elf was around. Look, man, I don't care if it's the elf. I don't care if it's the dog. I don't care if it if it stays just a, uh, an, an orange logo on the fucking TV. It could be a dog. It doesn't have to be this abomination we're stuck with. Look, the 70s were super fucked up and nobody had ideas that bad. Because the Astros uniforms in the seventies, right. or the White Sox. I think, I think the White Sox wore shorts once in the seventies. They 70s. sure did. So I would say that there have been Ouch. some pretty, there have been some some hung humdingers. Oh my god! There, I mean, I'm I'm like way I'm way off track now. We're talking about. 
terrible uniforms. Yeah, I cannot stand what what has happened with the Browns uniforms. And I'm I'm normally I'm normally a, a pretty easygoing guy. Like I dig the Cavs gear still, even though I think the numbers look dumb. You know, whatever. It's in my favorite players wear that uniform. I'm not gonna hate it. You know what I'm saying? The Browns can't wear brown without people going like, oh, yeah, they look like what they put on the field, huh? Uh, well, I mean, the, the, the other thing with the Browns is about that today. If, I've, if I've got to turn on my TV, on, if the Browns are playing on a Thursday night and I have to, like, double take to make sure I'm not watching Bowling Green State, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a bad time. Which is another reason that Bowling Green should do cooler shit with their uniforms because they look like the Browns. You look like the Browns, Bowling Green. <laughs> You got to do something about Don't that. Don't be the Browns. All right, sorry sorry about how this baseball conversation ended up talking about Browns jerseys. You could tell we're a Cleveland podcast. I did want to ask you, like, I wanted to ask you a would you rather. I wanted to blatantly steal from Ken Carmen and Anthony Lima uh, and Kenny Kidd, right? So I wanted to ask you a would you rather, and I put it in Pride of Parma, I, Kenny Kidd. I, yeah. I, 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 did, I really like that morning show. Um, Pride of Perry, Ken <laughs> Carmen. <laughs> I, put it, I put it in our Slack message, so I don't know if you guys read it and had a second to talk about it. But would you rather, this is this is a Cleveland-based podcast, if uh, there's like one person west of the Mississippi that's listening somehow, you're probably high. Um, would you rather guarantee an Indians World Series, Indians win a World Series like next year, right now, or you guarantee the Yankees never have a winning season again? Can I qualify my response? <laughs> no, no, give, no. Give me the well, Indians well, World f- Series. Give me the answer first, and then you can qualify. Yeah, g- give me the Indians, Indians World, World Series, Series for sure. <sighs> now, I want to qualify it's, that and it's say close. the spiteful asshole in me would love nothing more it's than got, to, to know that the Yankees will never win again. It's got to be close. You, right? said, you said winning season? Yeah, the Yankees will never have a winning season again. So here's the thing for me, right? <laughs> like, I don't like the Yankees, but I don't have the same like venom for the Yankees that I have for the Red Sox. So if you ask me that question about the Red Sox, I might pick the Red Sox. That's fair. My but my, I hate because I hate the Red Sox. I don't. I don't. The Yankees. I don't. We. You know, in my in my experience, we we beat the Yankees in the playoffs, except for this year, right? Like 2007, right. Yeah, 97. Fair. We beat the. I'm not scared of the Yankees. My formatory year. Yeah, my formatory year, like 2007, was like my first. Oh. Like, yeah, like I was like invested. Like this is the first time in baseball that I was like I had memories to the point where I was invested. And like the Red Sox were the ones that crushed it, right? Like we beat yeah. the Yankees. Like that was yeah. the, that was the Midge game, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, like so, the Yankees, like we generally beat them and embarrass them. Uh, so I, yeah, the Red Sox. If you're asking me that, if I can guarantee the Red Sox never win again, give me that. Give me that all day. <laughs> give me the Red Sox day. day. That's give funny. Me, give me Red Sox. What, what, what's again. funny about 2007 is uh, I'm I I know we've hit this on other podcasts and stuff, and I'm I'm 36, right? So I remember. Um, more of those 90s, like, you know, the 90s Indies that everybody talks about, right? So those are like the players and the teams that always tend to kind of pop into my head, no matter how much I, tr- I try to stop it, right? Like, I think about those fun teams. It still was weird to see CC pitching for the Yankees, and it's been forever, right? I, I think I understand. Um, but my wife is 30, and her baseball team are those late 2000s baseball. I mean, she is, like, obsessed with, like, Casey Blake. Like, all those, like, she loves those guys, and it's just so crazy. Like, anytime we talk about the old Indians, it's always, like, all of us old guys in the corner drinking beer talking about the 90s, and she's always like, ooh, Casey Blake, Ryan Garko. It's like, what the, what the hell? Like, <laughs> should, should we tell him who our favorite player is? Yeah, do it. Jack 
Hannah Hannah. Captain Jackie. Yeah, Captain, Jackie. Captain Jackie. Captain Jackie. Doing, so, doing it for the it, Emerald Isle. When, when Carla, was it Carlos Carrasco that like threw at the Royals player head? Was that him? I believe or? it was that game, yeah. No, no, no. It was Shinsu Chu got hit for the second it's time. Shinsu the, Chu. He looked out at the mound. Or no, no, no. He so the first hit. time they the, the, the you know the bench is cleared because Shinsu Chu used to get hit all the time. So he got hit and Jack Hanahan, you know, he was like one of the first ones out and he, you know, he had some words with I think it was Anibal Sanchez. Uh and so then later in the game Shinsu Chu gets hurt gets hit again and I believe he broke his hand the second time he got hit and was out for the year. And Jack Hanahan was out of the dugout. First guy out faster than anyone else. And he's got Anibal Sanchez by the scruff of the neck. And he's dragging him away. And, and I, like, I, I identify with that guy so much. I think the reason I the more the bigger reason I identify with, with Jack Hanahan is because he was so good defensively at third base. But he was like a guaranteed like 174 hitter all year. And he was guaranteed for an opening day home run. <laughs> Those were the two things about Jack. Jack Anahan was going to hit an opening day home run, and it was going to be the only home run that he hit until about July. And then he was going to hit two in July in one game, and that was going to be it. <laughs> that was going to be it. That's fantastic. Oh, man. Oh, reminiscing about the Indians this month. So you guys, that, that's interesting, though, that neither of you guys. So, like, you don't hate the Yankees at all. I mean, with we I, had a little no, discussion Don't, don't with get me this. wrong. I hate the Yankees, but I hate the Red Sox way more. See, I figured I figured that that would be a really good would you rather. I personally, me, I don't, I don't harbor a ton of animosity towards the Yankees, but I kind of thought that there was a lot more animosity towards the Yankees than there was. I, I think maybe for us, it's not there. But if I think since you're just a tad older than we are, maybe it's there. Well, maybe it's well, maybe it's think of it 30. think of it this way from this perspective as well is with this with this particular Yankees team, it's not really your typical. So like when the Yankees were in their heyday of just going out and buying guys, I, I the grew Indians up with were George Steinbrenner. The Yankees. Indians were butt. Yeah. Like and now, but <laughs> I've said fucking shit now three hundred times so today. The, the like, Indians but. were real bad. Okay, when the Yankees were like in their, you know, in the in the two like the two thousands and stuff. Like at least you know they were sure, they were true. okay. Like this Yankees team though is not really that kind of team, right? I mean, it's built on. Some built on four or five young guys, and then some like old geezers who were like last chance salooning this. You know, and I who did always... they buy? Like who did they? Like they've got Masahiro Tanaka. Like so they, they bought okay, Tanaka. They went out and bought Tanaka they on bought the international market. CC Sabathia. But that was so long ago. Like I can right. get past that. But like other than that, they've got it's Aaron Judge. Like I, I don't like that guy because he's. I don't know why anybody likes Aaron Judge. That guy. Fun stat just for anybody. Shrek man. Okay, Aaron Judge has more strikeouts in, in the ALDS and the ALCS together than Tony Gwynn had in the regular season. That's baseball now, though, Ryan. Seasons. I understand that, but, like, why? But he's, he's awful. It's it's not even it's not even baseball now, I, which, which, which it kind of is, and it, it was home run-centric for a long time, and then everybody was like, oh, steroids exist, and then it wasn't for a while, and now it's getting home run-centric again. I get it, it but it's not even so much that it's baseball now. It's that... Aaron Judge is fun to watch. I like Aaron Judge, and 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 I I understand right. Like I understand for when you're when you're a dyed in the wool, watch a lot of games, write about baseball. In like I don't expect I don't expect a whole bunch of um, baseball writers to love Aaron Judge. But part of the reason why he's so popular is because people really like fans need to have fun when they're watching. And Aaron Judge is an enormous man who hits 500 foot home runs, and 
that's a lot of fun to watch. And and frankly, I will say that Aaron Judge doesn't scare me over the season as a long-term baseball player, but if he's up against your team and there's a man on base and you're and you're up a run, you are shitting your pants the yeah. entire time he's in the batter's box. And I'm going to push push back against, you know, cuz I'm I'm thinking Ryan, you're coming at this from an from an analytics perspective, right? He seems like he would be really bad analytically, but I think that the next phase of analytics that has come out in the last couple of years has really been pushing towards guys like Aaron Judge because he, he either strikes out or he hits a home run. It's like shooting and, the three. And ex- I mean, exactly. So, you know, the worst thing that happens is that Aaron Judge is one out. The best thing that happens is Aaron Judge scores you two or three runs with one swing. That's, I, that's, I a, can, that's a fair assessment I about can analytics. See, I right, because about. for like 15 years in baseball, it was like... Get on base. Yeah, like why do we, why do we want him? Because he gets on base, like that's been the mantra of uh, of baseball since 2002, right? Well, any, ever since Moneyball came out, like I mean, I'll you know when Jake, when you and I are together, sometimes we'll be talking about baseball, and I'll point to you because like, he gets on base. Because he gets on base, and like Carl Santana, he's like, oh, he only hits 260 every year, and I'm like, okay, yeah, gets but on base. he he walks 110 times a year, so and he but, doesn't strike out because he's got good. But he's what got we're good running eye. into now is that so you're getting guys who are really good hitters who hit into double plays, right? Because they hit the ball. They put the ball in play. That's getting you two outs at a time. You know, uh, one out of every four or five times they come out of, come up to bat, right? So you're looking at the reason that the home run numbers have shot way up this year, one of the big reasons, is because guys are saying, look, I'd rather swing like an idiot and strike out than... Nobody's going to double hit, you up on a fly ball to yeah, center. Exactly right. Yeah. If I hit it as far that's as I point. can... You know, and that's why a lot of people have been all over Frankie this year for trying to pull the ball every time he comes to the bat. And I've been one of them. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. You know, he comes up to bat and he's trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And it makes me so mad because he's such a good hitter. But the analytics are telling these guys at this point, a guy like that, a guy like uh, the reason that the judge is able to hit so many home runs, the reason that Stanton is able to hit so many home runs is because he goes up every time he goes up to bat going for broke. There's no question that that's – he's not going up. Two strike, even his two-strike approach is not changing. His two-strike approach is swing as hard as I can and try to hit it off the, the glass windows. And I don't think I, – I do want to say, I don't think that seeing value in Aaron Judge, uh, both as a baseball player and as an attraction, right, I don't – I'm not trying to say it makes Carlos Santana less valuable. I'm just saying it also makes Aaron Judge valuable. Well, right? he breaks war, right? I mean, essentially, he had a huge like, and there are people that don't believe in war, and like, I'm starting to see is there's a flaw in the, in the war statistic, but like, eventually, every number, you know, this is a statistician, every right. number outlives its usefulness, right? But like, he was second or third in war, I think, and and it's probably you're right because of his his approach, like, he's either going to strike out or pop out, or he's going to score you three runs, and like that, that's going to push your your war up. So like, from a war perspective, Aaron Judge is really valuable, but like, I guess from a traditionalist sense that I come at for baseball like if he strikes out you know 80% of the 80% is high but he strikes Probably out a high. shit ton yeah if he strikes out a lot it's like there's somebody else that could get a single right and yeah. and then the pitchers have to change their approach right and then they then that person steals a base and now things are really changing there there was some talk about this exact thing the other night with game one of the world series where the uh the Dodgers won I believe they won two to one right or three to one uh, three, three, to one, one. three to two three to one. um so what happened there was that the Dodgers won that baseball game on two swings. Two swings. Yeah. Because they had guys who went for broke. A guy like Justin Turner comes up to bat every time. And, yeah, he's a good hitter, so he's going to get you a double every now and then you know, because he changes his approach up. But a lot of times when that guy comes up to bat, especially with somebody on base, 
He's swinging for the fences every swing. And so the Dodger, or so the Dodgers beat the Astros. Now the Astros had one home run as well. So both of those teams were coming at it from the same analytic perspective, where they got a guy, the Dodgers got a guy on base, and Justin Turner came up to bat with an opportunity to score him, and he put it out of the ballpark. And, and I, I, I got to tell you, when it's Dallas Keuchel against Clayton Kershaw, you're a whole lot more likely to catch a ball out of the ballpark when you're swinging as hard as you can than you are to hit a single, a double, a double, a single, a walk, and have a rally like that. You'd love to win every baseball game by rallying, right? But sure, but, but it's that's not going to happen when you're going up against a guy like, like you said, Kershaw, Justin Verlander. You're not going to get. You're, you're not going to string four hits together. You're gonna. The best way to get to Justin Verlander is to is to smash the ball out of the ballpark. Hit his one mistake out of the ballpark. And the Indians right. this year, and to prove your point, were very good at that. I saw Verlander three times this year. Uh, two times were against Corey Kluber. The Indians jumped on it, on him early that's with right. a long ball. That's right. And that, and again, that's you know that's the the direction that I think the analytics are are taking baseball back in that direction where you're starting to see that like a guy like Aaron Judge uh, is so valuable because again he impacts every time he comes up to the plate. There's the potential that he's impacting the game in a two to three run capacity, and that's and in baseball as you know, I mean two to three runs is going to be the difference between eighty percent of games that you play. Well, and and I'll I'll kind of jump on I'll piggyback that a little bit and saying that you know if you get Getting a single, a double, or a triple is great, but the guy behind you has got to get you in. Or the pitcher's got to make a mistake to the point where, like, there's a pass ball. And, like, the chances of a pass ball, unless, you know, Gary Sanchez is catching, are kind of (laughs) slim. (laughs) But, but again, I mean, it depends on who you face. Like, I I could totally see, and Aaron Judge isn't a guy, you know, there are a lot of guys that don't change their approach. But the Indians were a team that had a lot of guys that were capable of changing their approach. And sometimes it does matter on who you're facing. You know, I mean, if if you're going uh, if you're going up against a Cy Young candidate, an ace, uh, you really just need to score those runs when you can. That's right. It's weird, and I'm not focused on it just because I said it, but I've never I never thought of it before until I said it just a minute ago. That I mean, maybe that home run is like like a three, like a three pointer in basketball. I mean, look, Steph Curry isn't one of the best players in the game for any other reason. Other than he can shoot the hell out of the ball. Now he's good at other stuff. I I'm not saying. Yeah, that I mean he's isn't. he's average at other stuff, right? But to be able to shoot the way he shoots is what puts him in that conversation, That's right? And maybe a guy like Aaron Judge, and it's too early to tell. Like, like I, he's a rookie. Who knows? At his size and as open as his stance is, it's very possible that he has one or two more, you know, one more good year, and then he just kind of flames out, and he is what he is, and. People find a hole in his swing or his mechanics. Break that, uh, the something. guy who played for the Phillies still plays for the Phillies. Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard that's yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it, it's very possible that that happens. So I'm. Not, I don't want to try to equate Aaron Judge with going to become one of the all-time greats. But I mean, there was a reason that baseball fell in love with the home run in the first place, chemically aided or not. There's a reason why it happened. Uh, and then when it went away, I mean, baseball was different, and now we kind of see that resurgence where. It's exciting. It matters, right? I mean, and that a lot of that has to do with you've got guys out there that are able to mash home runs and be marketable faces of the league. Well, and it's I, I guess you can make it a parallel to golf. If I go to watch the U.S. Open, traditionally it's a longer course. The big hitters are the people or that that are traditionally good at the U.S. Open, and right. if you can putt, I'll tell you what, shit. If I see Dustin Johnson strike the driver 385 yards right that's right. like uh, that's appointment television for me now like 
Bill Mickelson short game. That's cool, right? Like, he scores, but it's not like you know sexy. Well, you can you can draw those comparisons to, to any sport, right? You look at us. You look at the, the net sports like hockey and soccer. You got snipers and strikers, right? And you look at most strikers in soccer, and they're just big. You know, big shit houses, basically, right? They're just right. they're big dudes who stand up front. Look at a guy like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. No, like, my my favorite was was it uh, Rooney? Was his Wayne name? Rooney? Wayne Rooney like plays for was, Everton. Yeah, Everton's yeah, best, yeah, the hometown yeah. boy. That's right. So so yeah, a guy like that, like he's he's fat, he's <laughs> slow, he has very little athletic ability, but his job is to put the ball in the back of the net, and he stands up right at the back line, right where the defense is, right straight up from being off sides, and he gets in behind him, and he just slaps it in with his foot. It's the Babe Ruth archetype, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, all, all, all these guys have to do, right, is to, is to, to, do, to score points, right? I can identify with a Babe Ruth type. Phil I mean, Kessel. I mean, you got, yeah. yeah Phil, the, the, the running thing is like, Phil Kessel's a two-time Stanley Cup winner. He is. He looks like my, my high school like, English teacher. <laughs> guy, like, who, guy, who coaches, got... guy who coaches girls soccer at Brunswick High School. <laughs> Shout it's, out to Mr. Ward. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I mean that definitely happens. Like that, and that's a really good point. Like that archetype, like that guy is popular for a reason, and it isn't because, you know, for all the, all the hype and all the shit that everybody talks about five tool players, right? Like we hear that all the time, and there's this mythology of the five tool player, but the guys, for the most part. In general, the guys that are out there and that are getting famous and that are making the money and that are hitting the home runs that are winning championships are the, the big Babe Ruth archetypes. They're not five-tool players. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have on your team Bryce Harper, who is maybe a five-tool player, but probably more like a three-tool player, or Mike Trout, who is 100% a five-tool player? Bryce Harper. I'd rather have Bryce Harper Absolutely. all day, yep. unless you're Ryan. No, I, I, I'd agree. I'd, I'll tell you what. Not that the you know Dolans is cheap, right? They're they're never going to go get Bryce Harper right? half a, unless they got half a bill hiding somewhere right, up there. Right, right. <laughs> I would love to see they Bryce do. Harper in an Indians uniform, but we know he's going to the Cubs. Like, I mean, not to take away from your point, I get it, like from the money argument, but like Mike Trout's cool, but man, Bryce Harper, oh, but, Bryce but Harper is way more entertaining. If if Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, and I think it's fair to say that Mike Trout, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper would increase a team's chances, a good team's chances of winning the World Series, probably about the same, right? Yeah. So regardless, uh, and and you're probably going to have to pay them close to that. I mean, like Mike Trout at and. And the and the timing of their contracts, right? It's, Mike Trout's never gonna he's never gonna sign the biggest contract in baseball history, and Bryce Harper probably will, right? Well, not, and Mike so, Trout's the kind of guy who's gonna that. stay in Anaheim for his right. entire career too. So, but I mean, if Mike Trout came down here at Medina Cigar and Tobacco and had a cigar and turned on the TV, I wouldn't know who he was. Like, it, it he's not a guy who's that archetype. I he's not a guy probably, that's probably gonna be famous. Probably couldn't tell you Anthony Rizzo from. From uh, right from Mike Trout right, but Bryce Harper is way hard. Yes, but Bryce Harper walks in here and flips gotta, his hair back, and I'll be like, "Hey, Bryce, what's up? We got to stop the podcast." That's right, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I'm finding some, a way to get my car words. paid for. It. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think you know, going a little bit a little bit further into that, right? Like, what when you think of when you think of athletics the way they are today, what really is the difference between Mike Trout in center field and Austin Jackson in center field? I mean, probably not a lot when it comes to fielding, right? So right. what's and so maybe he's a little bit better at fielding than Austin Jackson. Maybe he's even a little bit better at hitting than Bryce Harper. But you know what? How much better at hitting is he? 
not not enough to be like, no, no I'd rather have him than Bryce Harper. And you're paying for the guy that's going to hit you dingers in the World Series. That's right. Well, yeah, and like, you know, how many balls in the outfield are routine? Exactly. I mean, how many times? I mean, you saw Jason Kipnis, you know, make a, a heck of a play on a ball in the, in the, in the playoffs. <laughs> Every squirrel finds a nut, right? I, I will <laughs> say that that is probably much more of a routine fly ball with someone who doesn't run a five-second 40. Yeah, right. well, <laughs> that, my, my buddy who, who played college ball told me the same thing a coworker of mine said, that like any a regular outfielder like makes that catch standing up. No problem. I mean, and Jason Kipnis made the wrong read on the ball and had to <laughs> and had to don't, like chase it down. Don't get me wrong; that out was just as valuable as <laughs> like. I, and I, and I'm not even here to bag on Jason Kipnis because I know I I know that a lot You're of people bag on buddy. Jason. <laughs> right. Yeah. Back in the day, in your Kentucky days, you were an outfielder, but not anymore. Yeah. No, not at all. So well, we've gone just a little over an hour. I don't want to keep everybody too long. Uh, we haven't hit football at all. Right, except for talking about the Browns uniforms, but there are games coming up. The Browns are in London. The Browns are terrible. There's quarterback things. We're Cleveland podcast. Um, do either of you really have anything of substance to hit about football that we haven't talked about? Any Brown stuff? Do you have uh, concerns or opinions about the Browns' quarterback issues? Hugh Jackson, any of that that we haven't hit on? As a soccer fan, I'm really sad that that the Browns are going to disgrace beloved Wembley Stadium with whatever garbage they're going to put on the field. You know what? And I, I will say this real quick before we get to Ryan, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but the, the, as a soccer fan, made me think about that Browns logo that the Browns made. And it's really easy to make fun of the, the Browns making that logo because they've been asked for so long. And, you know, there's what, like 16 stripes for 16 Hall of Famers, eight stars for eight, eight pre-Super Bowl. Biggest fucking quotation marks you could think of when I say pre-Super Bowl championships. Um, but like that's that's actually like a neat, cool thing, and I'm glad they did it. And I wish that the Browns marketing team wouldn't get so much shit for that because like I thought that was neat. Like they're going to England. They're going to play in Wembley Stadium. They, they made... You know, it was like they paid homage to English football. So let me, I think that was cool. Let me let me tell you about Wembley Stadium, right? Because I think you know Americans maybe don't understand the allure of Wembley Stadium. There's two reasons, unless you're Tottenham Hotspur and you're playing there right now because your stadium is being rebuilt. Uh, there's two reasons that you ever play in Wembley Stadium. You either, or three reasons, I guess. You either get called up to the English national team. You either you're playing for the FA in the FA Cup final, or you're playing in the League Cup final. Right, so like it's an honor to play at Wembley Stadium. So like when Everton, you know, Everton fans get to walk down Wembley Way and walk under the the twin arches. They used to be the twin towers before they built a new Wembley Stadium. It's just like when you're going to Wembley, that's that's the best thing that can be happening. And I, I just I just don't like the Browns playing. Sure, there. but you can't get mad about the it's Browns. So cheap. Like, that, that's an NFL thing, though. Yeah, like, I, think I know. It's... But they only send the bad teams to England too. Well, look, I don't think that that's okay. Like, I think that it's perfectly reasonable for the NFL to have signed this contract and then send some decent teams there every now and again. Like, I think that's a thing you should do. And look, if it, if it takes adding a week to the NFL season to give an extra bye week to the Cowboys and the Patriots, because God knows they're not going to do it without an extra bye week, I think that's perfectly reasonable. The, the, the NFL preseason's too long to begin with. Let those guys knock a preseason game off, make the season a week longer, and give those teams a bye week on each side and get some real teams over there. But that's an NFL thing. I'm not mad at the like the Browns. It's not the Browns' fault. Playing at Wembley it's, it's not the Browns' fault, but I just 
ever since the NFL started playing at Wembley Stadium, and that's why I'm happy because Tottenham Hotspur is building a new stadium, and it's going to be dual purpose, and they're going to play all those NFL games at White Hart Lane that's starting fair. next year or starting okay. two years from now. And I'd, Wembley is sacred ground. But I, I still think even if you were going to, where did you say it? What was the new stadium called? White Hart Lane. White Hart Lane. Even if the Browns are going to White Hart Lane, I still think it's a cool thing for their marketing department to have made like a an homage logo. No, that's cool. For that I like game. that. Yeah. Like I, it's so tough to me to see. Like it, it's really easy for me to shit on the Browns. I've been a Browns fan for a really long time, but I'm 36. The Browns moved in 1995. I was a sophomore in high school. I grew up watching football on television. The Browns didn't exist, right? So, like, since they've come back, they've been terrible forever. I have no problem. Do the Browns exist now? Barely. (laughs) I have no problem shitting on the Browns. But what I don't like is seeing people take shots at their social media or their marketing team. Like, those guys are literally paid to make fun, exciting things about their football team. It's It's impossible. It's not not their fault that the Browns are terrible. Right. So when they do something like make this logo that really is more for the European fans and to say, hey, we acknowledge where we're going. This is a very cool tradition. Thank you so much. We made this we made this logo to to be a part of the fabric of that existence. No, it's, it's cool. I think that's cool. And and to see all the people here locally just shit on the PR team for that. Like I think that's so disingenuous. Like that pisses me people off. People always say things like maybe if they spent more money or more time focusing on the product instead of as if there's not like segmented teams that do very different things within the organization. Yeah. Right? Like let me ain't, let me tell you it right ain't now. the marketing it's not like if they fired the marketing team they could hire a better coach. I have no idea. I have no idea what the the PR executives or the Browns are making. It is not millions of dollars a year. It comes out of a separate budget. It has nothing to do with player salaries. I mean, those those people are paid to do a good job and to try to have people have fun. It's not like baseball, right? In baseball, maybe you can make that argument. We're paying too much for our general manager, so we can't pay our players enough. When it comes to when it comes to football, though, I mean, there's a salary cap. There's a salary. Uh, salary basement, right? right you can't. You, right. So, like, all those things are totally separate. You can't really blame the the marketing team for the Browns being terrible. And if the Patriots made that logo or the Cowboys made that logo, people are are buying it up. They're all over it. I think it's cool. Like that, it's just so weird in football, and maybe especially here in Cleveland with the Browns. If if you're listening from a different market, I'm I'm not exactly sure how it happens all all over the place, but here, like, we eat our own here. Like, if there's a fan who has tried to talk himself into being positive about Deshaun Kaiser, that's fine. You're a, you're a fan. You're not you're like, supposed to be positive about I, Deshaun Kaiser. I expect the coaches in the front office to try to make the best decisions that they can. And if, if they make a decision based on a certain guy, I'm not going to look at that guy and just automatically say, Oh, Nope, that guy's ass. Like, even if he is, I'm going to try to find a way to root for him on Sundays because he's the quarterback of the football team that I've, fucking loved my hold for for why for what reason god that makes me so mad that i like the browns it makes me so mad i so uh, two quick hits uh just a trivia point and this was actually a question at trivia last night at, at my local establishment uh name the afc south team that has played in england the last four seasons. jaguars yes sir jaguars that- Jaguars. We exported the Jacksonville Jaguars four years in a row to England. Jacksonville, home of cops. 
uh, Jacksonville uh, also their owner is is a foreign guy, and I think that's a big part of it. I'm not sure where he's from. I believe he has uh, Said, a, is it Saeed Khan? I yes, believe, so. I, and I believe Khan. he has a uh, a a business interest in the United Kingdom. Probably you know, to be fair, that's a really good point. I, I guess I think that he, is a he good point. may own a soccer team. I'm Probably, not sure. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, I think he. You think he does? I'm pretty I just sure. Don't know which one it is. I think that's a big part of. I think it might be Hull City, but I'm not sure. They're not good either. But I think a big part of the reason <laughs> that 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 Jacksonville, to be fair, yes, the NFL is sending the you know the clowns of the league to England every year. But I'm pretty sure that with that that uh, that Khan has requested that the Jaguars go to England. Well, look, and it's not like the NFL is full of great teams. There are plenty of clown teams in the NFL. I, you're not going to send. You know, if you're playing, but they could send the Colts, right? And like people wouldn't be like, "Oh, the Colts are generally the worst team in the NFL." If we sent the Colts and people were doing those, uh, those Andrew Luck like Revolutionary War <laughs> general, like maybe I that's, love that Twitter account. By the way, that is may, just fantastic. Maybe all that's of those not are the, so funny. Maybe that's not the best idea. That could open up some old wounds. All of those are so funny, <laughs> and I would I would watch it all happen on the, on the Twitter, dearest Martha. <laughs> So, okay, so that was kind of just a fun fun point. But from an X's and O's standpoint about the Browns, again, I've watched probably four quarters of Browns football and seven losses, just to give you an idea. Um, I think from an X's and O's standpoint, people are like, why is he playing merry-go-round quarterback? And it's like, look, Hugh is a coach, and Hugh, like his job is to put the best you know person on the field that he feels is going to win the game. And people are like, well, yeah, but it's different every week. I was like, yeah, but he thinks that person's the best. And what are I can't you supposed to do? Yeah. Well, yeah, what, what are, are we what supposed, are to supposed to do? We have do? a rookie, Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler, who, you know, he's gotten eaten alive for what, two years now. And then uh, Hogan, yeah, Kevin Hogan. And it's just like, why? And, and I'll say, I am here for people who are critical of media who are not trying to hold Browns accountable. There are media members like that. And, you know, that's not... That's not something that I feel like we need to get in right now, but there are media members who don't hold the rounds accountable, and I am here for criticizing those media members, right? I'm also here for criticizing the ones that are always just shitty to them no matter what. Tony and don't ever, Grossi. And don't ever see anything down, positive. Dude. But I, I just, I will never be okay with fighting other fans for being fun, positive fans or or for yelling at a social media team like what else are they supposed to do like yeah. from a fan perspective it's like what do you want them to do be sad and morose about it like but you're at the game you're already drunk and depressed right like why not try to cheer why, why right. do you got to be the guy that's sucker punching an old dude in the stands Look, right you can if you want to take shots at the browns you look at the front office and say where are wide receivers we have nobody to throw to. Kenny Britt is one of your best options. Full we, stop. Uh, get out of here with Kenny Britt. We have, you know, no, I hate Kenny Britt. Oh. I don't like Kenny Britt at all. It was it's a terrible sign. We let Terrell Pryor go. That guy had, what, 1,000 yards last, last year? I don't even, like the Kenny How Britt How many years in a row Pryor have thing? we signed a Kenny Britt? Right. The, the, the Kenny Britt and Terrell Pryor thing, to me, are totally separate. It and, and maybe they were right about Terrell Pryor. It's not like he's lighting it up in Washington. I liked him. I happened to think he had a skill set that that could work here, but maybe he didn't. Maybe they were right. Like I, like I said, it's not like Terrell Pryor is in Washington and is going to be a Pro Bowler. But like the Kenny Britt thing to me is totally separate. Like full stop. That's a separate issue. They they're both wide receivers, but that's that's as far as the correlation goes. Kenny Britt, for whatever reason, is just a toxic personality. He's Dwayne Bow again. No, but not even. Like, Dwayne Bowe just didn't try. Like, Dwayne Bowe just stole some money. Kenny Britt's quitting on routes. Yeah. You can watch Kenny Britt do that. 
yeah, I, I feel like Kenny Britt is actively stabbed. Did you? He he was not even. They asked him about going to London, and his quotes were like, "I hate London. I hated London. I went to London last year. It sucked. The that's food, what I was going to bring everything up. Everything was terrible. That's what I was going to bring up. Come is on. yeah, like be a team, like, be a team player. Like shut up or yeah. some say something nice. Like you're How trying. Long? You don't say even, the company line. Like you, oh, London's great. Well, and especially considering they almost certainly brought Kenny Britt in to be a leader. He's a, I mean, he's a, he's a veteran player. You don't have to like London. No. You don't even have to say that you're excited to go to London. You can say, we're going to work. hey, maybe it's not my favorite place in the world, but I'm with these guys and we're going to London and we're going to, yeah, we're going to work. We're going like on we're, a business you trip. You don't have to say, I hated everything from the food to the game to the stadium to the hotel. Ask my wife. She feels the same way. What the fuck is your problem? I don't like Canton and I live there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, again, you know, like the answer to that question, in, in my opinion, even if, if, you ha- if, if your answer is going to be, I don't like London then your answer needs to be, we're going on a business trip. Right. And that's fair. Like, I don't expect everybody to dig every city they go to. And I understand that an NFL, look, it's different. Like for me as a fan, if I could go to London and watch the game, it's a totally different experience. I'd be super hyped. Even if the Browns suck, I'd sit there for the whole game. Even if we lost 60 to nothing, because I got to go to London. I got to go to Wembley. I'm going to be there for four or five days. We're going to see Big Ben. We're going to do a whole bunch of other bullshit. Like I don't have a lot of stamps in my passport, right? Right. Like we get to go do... I get that it's different for the player. If they're going. They're going to fly in. They're going to practice, and they're going to come right. Home. I totally understand that it's different for the player, but you don't have to. You don't have to sabotage the team like that. Oh, like, I hate that guy. So look, like with Joe Thomas getting hurt, which by the way, like I was actually like upset about that because it's because it's like if there was one guy that like just like he just sucked it up and did his job every single day for ten plus years. To see him get hurt on a, just a freak injury, by the way, which for a lineman to like tear his tricep is just—it's just a weird. It doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. And he and he's out. And now it's like, like if anybody in the Browns is playing for somebody, the quarterbacks are probably playing for Hugh, but everybody else is trying to play for Joe Thomas to get him at least a win, right? Because right? what is he? What is he playing for? I've Nothing. I've been I've been perhaps unduly harsh on Joe Thomas for the past couple of years because, you know, I feel like like a leader takes control in times like this a leader grabs guys by the scruff of the neck and says this isn't good enough you know we're better than this and maybe they're not better than this i don't know but i mean a guy like you know i I, maybe i had really high expectations for joe thomas to be able to take guys you know literally by the neck and be like we we're a football team and we're an embarrassment to this town and you know and when i think about it now i feel i feel a little bit bad for doing that because you know like this is a guy who has gone out for the past what eight years, nine years, and really given it everything he's got, and no, there's just nothing there for you him. You know, we tried to trade him to Denver so we'd have a chance right. a couple of years ago, and he didn't want it. We we make jokes about Joe Thomas having to remember all the quarterbacks that he's blocked for, uh, all the quarterbacks that have started games for him, and like that was a that was a big viral meme about when he was able to remember like all 22 of them or whatever it was, and and it was funny. Like don't get me wrong, I laughed at it. It was too. pretty funny. But what other Hall of Fame offensive lineman do you ask that question to? Like, what other guys who have been in the league for that long and who have the reputation that Joe Thomas does and the Pro Bowls and all that other bullshit, like, who has had to go through that? So I I think on one hand, I, I understand. Like, I think it's fair to say that he's a leader and he should be picking those guys up by the scruff. I think that's fair. And I will say that 95, 98, 99% of the time, that's absolutely something that you would depend on those leaders and those veterans to do. 
but I just don't see how that's how you can ask that much of a guy who's already who already can't remember all the quarterbacks he's blocked all the starting quarterbacks he's blocked for right yeah, I mean yeah. it's and and also and and this is why you know we celebrated the 10,000 consecutive snaps and there was there was a, a subgenre of fans who thought that that was stupid that we shouldn't have done that now, like this is why we should have done that right because he goes down and you you saw the outpouring of support. You saw the other guys in the league, like not even just the other guys on the team. The guy from Tennessee, like literally, ran across the field to like say, right. like, just tap him on the shoulder, and be like, "Hey, that's why you celebrate a guy who can do that." What and what, I, what, that's what, so important. What more? I mean, I guess you know. Now my my take is, what what you know? What more can you ask for for from a guy from an individual than to give his all for for the badge, right? To give his all for the squad, and uh, you know, I, I think that. You know, in all fairness, I apologize to Joe Thomas. I I think that uh, you know he's spent the last I don't know how long he's been in the league twelve years something like that. Yeah. However long it's been, he's been giving it his all the entire time. You know, not one, I don't think one time that dude is like dogged it on a play. Nope. And when you talk about a guy like Kenny Britt who's like dogging it on every play, he's like I don't want to be here. This is a bad team, right? I mean, if anybody has a right to do that and has had a right to do it for five years, it's Joe Thomas, and he's never been that he guy. I, it's a really big deal. I. I think that's a good place. To, I think that's a good place to end. Like all the bitching that we've done and all the negativity there is surrounding the Browns. I think it's fair to end tonight, just you know, really missing Joe Thomas as much as we talk about missing players or you know, like I I said I miss Joe Hayden and all that. So like though, there are some guys that are just more important to the city, more important to the fans as guys than they are necessarily as Browns or calves or Indians. And Joe Thomas has active as, as he's been in the community. Um, all of the things that he's given back as hard as he's fought for the Browns and boy, Oh boy, have they sucked. Well, he's been here. I mean, for him to stick around and be what he's been. And you, and you know what, if he decides to retire, if he says, you know, 2,260, whatever career snaps, in a row, like if he decides that that's the end of it and he's going to retire, then I'll give him a standing O and I'll hope everybody votes for him for the Hall of Fame and put him in the ring of honor. And I'm a love Joe Thomas. I'm not going to remember a lot about any of the Browns teams that he played on. I'm not going to care about the quarterbacks. I'm not going to care about the running backs, the wide receivers, the coaches, the ownership. I'm going to remember Joe Thomas. And I, I think that, I, I think that, or at least I hope that a lot of people do also. All right. So that's it for the second sports hats podcast. Um, that was my final thought. I, I guess it's Jerry Springer. I'm going to kick it over to uh, Ryan. What do you want to close with? Uh, I guess, you know, I'm a little, I'm in, I'm still disappointed about the Indians. Um, you know, I'm processing it, I'm watching the world series. I think once we hit, you know, Ohio State Michigan time, I'll be able to look back and at the season and process it a little better. Um I just, you know, I miss baseball already from a from a home team perspective. Um yeah, I hope I hope the Cavs can figure it out. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll have sports hacks number three, you know, mid season, you know, Christmas time, January when Isaiah Thomas is coming back, might have some thoughts on that. Well, the Browns are gonna probably be in the same place as ever. So I just, you know, happy to be here, happy to be able to talk about these complex issues that face sports and whatnot and I enjoyed it. Jake, what do you got? 
Well, these last couple of weeks have been particularly tough for me uh, from a sports perspective. Obviously, like you said, the Indians getting uh, you know getting knocked out of the playoffs uh, again, losing a, another you know potential elimination game, really tough. Uh, and uh, you know, as I've said many times, big soccer fan, and so to watch the United States men's national team embarrass our country on television uh, and you know not qualify for the World Cup is really disappointing. I think a lot of times uh, those guys get a bit of a pass because folks in America just don't care that much. Um, and I think, you know, now is a good time to start and people are starting to jump on board to have this conversation. But uh, what we really need to do is take a good, honest look at, you know, what we are as a footballing nation and uh, figure out the best way to move forward. And whether that's, you know, wholesale changes, getting rid of Sunil Galati or whether that's, you know, just kind of going back to the players that we have now and sticking to our guns and just hoping that next time around it goes better. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, definitely. Uh, try to keep your eyes on what's happening with the men's national team because uh, it really does affect the way people view America around the world. Okay, and that was Jake Thompson, Ryan Altman. I'm Josh Flagner. If you have any feedback, you can What was that? Jake Altman and Ryan oh, Thompson. shit. That's all right. All right. I've had... It uh, happens. I've had uh, three or four platform hyper-retro uh, brews tonight and a cigar. So it's been a fun night here at Matani Cigar and Tobacco. If you have any feedback, you can follow Sports Hacks on Twitter, at Sports Hacks. You can find them at Sports Hacks on Facebook, at SportsHacks.com, S-P-O-R-T-S-H-A-X, because not only are we bad at sports, we don't know how to spell. And I think that's everything. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. All right, everybody, uh, make sure you turn your microphones on. On, 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 on. All right, let's not let's not all do that at once because that makes it really confusing for me. Uh, microphone two, on, on. All right, uh, microphone three, on. Can you do on. something less on. operatic? Maybe on. I could. All right, it's on. It's turned on. <laughs> Jesus. Makes it hard to adjust the gain when somebody's going. Uh. <laughs> All right, so we're we're all ready, and I'm just going to start.